The time is now, episode 304. The future of work is choice. That you as an organization need to become clear on your policies to allow for choice. Welcome to The Time Is Now, the podcast show designed to take action and stay on top of your game to make a bigger impact with your business while creating more freedom and purpose in your life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. As your business and marketing coach, I am here to help you get the clarity and the action plan you need to position yourself as the go-to expert in your field and grow a business that is aligned with your needs. This is your time to create more growth, alignment, and impact with your business. And today I have a guest who actually done exactly that. I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today, Barbara Covarubias Venegas. So Barbara, thank you so much for being here. And are you ready for the ride? I'm ready for the ride. And thanks so much for the invitation. A tremendous pleasure being here with you, Amel. My pleasure. Those of you who are listening, I want to share with you a few words about Barbara. First of all, on a personal level, I have known Barbara for a few years now, maybe 10. I don't know anymore how many years. And it's been so inspiring to watch your journey, going from being a professor to starting your business, to growing your brand, positioning yourself in your field, but also the passion that you put into your business and the mission behind your business that we will be talking about. So I really wanted to have Barbara here on the show to not only tell us how she managed to grow her business and to position herself as the go-to expert in her field, but also use her great expertise in the conversation around virtual work and hybrid work, because I do think it's really important, even for business owners and small business um, and solo entrepreneurs. A bit more about Barbara, that she's the founder of Virtual Space Hero, where she helps companies embrace new ways of working, lead virtual and hybrid teams, and drive a positive culture. So since 2015, Barbara has been analyzing organizations and teams to understand the fundamental pillars to successful companies and hybrid teams. She has also been leading and working in global virtual teams since 2010, and wrote several books related to leadership topics. So her extensive experience and impact has led her to be nominated top 50 HR influencers in Austria. This is amazing, Barbara. And she also speaks on international stages and conducts workshops worldwide to help teams adapt to the new way of working of today and collaborate successfully in virtual and hybrid spaces but one thing that I know as well of Barbara, she's passionate about dancing and I absolutely <laughs> love, we actually danced together once. We ha I remember dancing salsa we with did. you and I loved how you brought that passion into your business. So maybe we'll have time to talk about that because you did integrate dancing into your business. And another thing that's I think important to know about you is that you have managed to build a location independent business while growing your family, having two babies and living between Spain and Austria. So this is another Shell, who Barbara is. Is there anything else you want to add? I think I, mean, I couldn't have it summarized better. Thank you so much for that. Fantastic. So one of the first things that I always wondered was the progression to going from professor to starting your business, something that was progressive or was it a moment where you said, this is it, I need to do it? Uh, well, I think it was um, the, the fundamental change happened when I became a visiting professor in Spain. In 2019, I moved to Spain to Valencia and I became a visiting professor here. And I was 
I have been living abroad before that as well in in Italy, in Spain, in Chile, in Mexico. But before before 2019, I was for 10 years in Austria. Even though a professor's work is always very international because you need to fly to conferences, present your work, get feedback to further develop it, I have not been living in a different place. So 2019 was really like uh, the year for me where things changed completely. I embraced a complete uh, virtual work uh, setup with my team in Austria. I was living here, participating uh, with the team meetings virtually in Austria, and I must say that I just felt so at ease here in Spain. I love being back in Spain. I love the culture. I love the people. I love speaking Spanish all day through. And the people are amazing. So this was the moment when I knew, well, I've been for 10 years in academia. I've been a professor. I've been, I've been traveling to so many conferences, talking about new ways of working and what the works that I was doing um, for companies as well, because I was a very practitioner-oriented professor. But I knew, no, I want to be that. I want to embrace the things that I'm talking about, virtual work 100%. Mm. And even though my university is pretty flexible, they wouldn't have allowed me a 100% remote work policy to stay in Spain. So the only possibility that there was is to leave my job and to embark on a totally new journey, which I did in July 2019. Wow. I founded my own company, my own business, which is about keynote speaking, training, workshop coaching, all around topics of new ways of working. That's amazing. And I love, and let's just remind everybody that this was before COVID where it was normal to kind of demand to have virtual work, right? It was a time where it was unusual request. They still gave you part-time, but it it was not what you wanted. So I love to remind people of that because context is important and it takes a bit more courage to do that. And speaking of which, what gave you that courage to say, okay, this is my time to do this? Yeah, I think it, it really helped me out that particularly in the year 2019, the external requests from organizations were growing tremendously mm. as well. So this was one thing that I saw that what I'm talking about, the skills that I have, the knowledge that I was sharing was in demand even before COVID. But also, um, on the other hand, I had a, many supporters in my family who were always talking about me going independent, running my own business, because sort of I have an entrepreneurial mindset. And I think this was the second pillar that made me um, jump into my entrepreneurial journey. Looking hindsight now, what are the strategies and the things you've done along this journey that have actually helped you get results and position yourself as the expert now? People come to you for this topic around the world. I think it helped a lot that, of course, I was already working on the topic of virtual work and hybrid work even before the pandemic. You know, in Mm -hmm. 2020, there was a rise on virtual and hybrid leadership consultants that started doing that in 2020, which Mm. is fine. And uh, I was in touch with many of them and supported them in setting up their business. But of course, for me and my business, it was like very good that I have been a renowned expert in the field already before. Mm. I think if I look back now being, I would say I do my work is 95% remote work. The rest is where I really fly to clients or do keynotes on site as well. I think... um, What really helped me is that through the different uh, networking events that I regularly attended on site in Austria, I had a very strong presence. Um, I also was getting always a lot of recommendations because people knew me or people know me. And 
I think this is something that I notice is changing because now my business is way beyond Austria. And also for this, I need to rethink a little bit my approach on networking, right? Mm. Because I cannot fly everywhere to network around the globe. And so I need to rethink my approach on how to use different platforms or events to network and uh, to build that connections, those connections that I had already in Austria. Mm. I think this is one thing that I notice now that I need to look into um, a little bit better and of course I mean we are both very active on LinkedIn LinkedIn is the number one business platform and networking platform where that can be achieved yeah. this is one thing that I notice is changing now one thing that you said here that I think is super important to highlight is this idea of networking differently if we want to grow a business that's location independent aligned with our lifestyle if we want to also have the flexibility we need with our time we need to figure out how to create those relationships without having to go to the conferences and being on site so how does that look like for you even if you say linkedin what what is it networking on linkedin for you um networking on linkedin for me is um from a, a, a content from an expert perspective i'm a content creator i'm creating content mostly on a regular basis and share this through my private profile, but also through our company web, uh, company mm -hmm. LinkedIn uh, page, mm -hmm. which is, which I have a social media manager, community manager who is helping me to, to run this. And uh, it is from an, from this perspective, it's, it is about us sharing what we know. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with many of other, many other creators that it's really sharing about almost everything, you know, because even though you share everything, people will always need you to mm -hmm. help you improve implement, uh, make sense of it, change it for their context, and so on and so forth. So I'm also very, very, um, very, very great. Uh, I'm sharing a lot of knowledge there. Yeah. Um, and the second thing, what I think is very important, as we know how LinkedIn is working, it's engaging in the dialogue. It's engaging in the dialogue with other content creators of your field, mm -hmm. but also with potential clients uh, mm -hmm. that you have sort of gotten in contact with there's every week I have new people liking or commenting on my posts which then afterwards I need to research who they are who they are working for what they are posting about and then engage with them in a client in a in a dialogue in order to build up a, a connection where at some point later on much mm. later on usually <laughs> I, uh, I I I contact them to offer my services Okay, this is such good tips. And is there any other things you managed to figure out about how to create a network beyond LinkedIn virtually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is very important that when we go to the virtual conferences, which all of us, we are all of them, all of mm -hmm. us, we are attending them. We need to be active when attending them. And mm -hmm. very often what is happening, we are distracted by doing other things rather than really being in the mm -hmm. conference. What I do see a lot of value is if I am listening to a panel, I'm connecting immediately with the people who were in the panel that might be potential clients at some point. I'm connecting with them through the conference platform or through LinkedIn, coming back to our business mm -hmm. platform, or through LinkedIn, engaging with them in a dialogue picking out things that they were saying on the panel in order to make it really, really very personal. 
Of course, this takes time. And of course, I cannot do that if I'm multitasking while being and uh, listening to a virtual event. So I think this is really the very, very big conference, uh, the very, very big difference here to um to to uh, to what other people or what the majority are doing. Yeah. Love it. Actually, I love this so much. I want to make it a big important part of our conversation. But before I'm just gonna ask you one more question that I think is important about the journey you've been through. It's you're so, you know, from an exterior point of view for every entrepreneur, it feels like, oh my God, you know, you're so achieved, accomplished, and you've done it all right. But I know for a fact that we all go through ups and downs. And I wondered what are the roadblocks, the mental mindset roadblock you might have had along the journey or your relationship with marketing uh, that you've had along the journey that might have stopped you or slowed you down along the way? I'm curious to know. Yeah, yeah. So what I think what really um, changed the way that I was living my entrepreneurial journey are my kids. With kids, of course, there come more, there comes more responsibility, also more expenses. And as we all know, I have been only running my own business for like three, four years and it's 2019 yeah three let's let's call it three years and uh the major challenge is of course to create a business over the years with a stable income with a stable projects with stable clients and um my oldest boy now is two and a half year old so when i was in second year of my business or after one and a half year founding my business i was pregnant with my first boy and I think this was the, the 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 biggest challenge that I was facing to embrace the uncertainty that comes with running your own business while having to provide certainty for your family to some extent. Mm. And this is one thing. What really was um, holding me back, I think, was that I never... I, I should have started to work with a business coach like you, Amel, much, much earlier. I, I come from academia. And even though I am a good self-marketer, I am good in networking, I have good communication skills, in, interpersonal relationship skills, still the way on how you set up a business, and even though I started business administration, you, you, you don't learn really how to run your own mm. business, your own small business, being an entrepreneur. Mm. So I think the value of having a business coach like you is tremendous. And I think I should have invested that money much, much earlier on. Mm. That was the, the other thing. I think the third thing that I learned, um, and I still have a, a difficult relationship with marketing and social selling and so on, uh, is because when I, when I think about business development, I need to be aware that I need to create processes. I need to create uh, marketing strategies. I need to think about all those things that usually in a big company, the marketing department thinks about, propose it to the CEO and the CEO says yes or no. In my case, of course, I don't have a marketing department. I do have a community manager who helps me, supports me, but she's a community manager. So also she's not a business development person. And um, I think... It really annoys me still to some extent that I'm the one in charge of everything, mm -hmm. which of course comes with you being the founder, being the CEO of your company. Um, it comes with certain responsibilities, which uh, I know that I 
hate the word um, funnel. Mm-hmm. I hate the word lead magnet. <laughs> Just when I hear that and I talk about in community with my community manager about it, and I go, dear God, again, those funnels and those lead magnets, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> because I'm also, I'm very lucky because most of my business comes through recommendation. Yeah. But recommendation, it's not a marketing strategy. It's nothing that is a, a stable strategy that you can employ. Yeah. So I think this is why I, I I I was constantly struggling on how to to invest my energy through all the different responsibilities having as a CEO of your own company or as mm. a solopreneur, whatever you call it. Okay, it means that you decided to invest in your business, invest in a in a community manager, invest in a business coach, and probably invest in making the mind shifts you needed to actually embrace marketing, even if it's not 100% yet there. Uh, but you still do it despite of it. And that's what I noticed. You don't like it, but you still do it. And that's what makes you a real entrepreneur and leader, right? We don't always do things we love. Um, but knowing the uncertainties that you were talking about and the fears that you might have had around having to provide and not spending too much money, how did you find the courage to actually invest? And how did you convince yourself to do that investment? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I I was at a point where I was really thinking about looking again for an, mm-hmm. an, an employment, a fixed employment. And that was the point when I read just randomly on LinkedIn from a person that I'm following who is in the same field that she loves to work with her business coach. And I was like, well, let's try that then. That's so good. I love it. So you said one thing before when I want to transition to the topic of virtual work, because I think we can learn so much from you that you said something so important about how to behave when we join virtual events. The first thing that I want to tackle right away is probably the elephant in the room right now. How do you react to this whole thing that's called the Zoom fatigue or the like there is a real drop in the numbers. These are facts of all online entrepreneurs who are the big gurus are telling that the numbers of people showing up to virtual events is going down. The attention is going down. People are not willing anymore to spend time on the screen after all the lockdown. So what is your take on that? First of all, before we talk about what are the solutions, do you, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you notice that trend as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. We see a, a no show in virtual events that is much, much higher than um, in, in, on, in on-site events. But we also see a growing rate of watching the recordings afterwards. And I think this is really interesting, which also shows us that, that as, I, as I was saying at the beginning, the future of work is choice. And the choice is when people can watch it whenever they want, right? So I think one of the things that, um, that we do see is that the knowledge, people are still eager to get the knowledge. But of course, they are missing out on a networking opportunity. What we do know also is that market leaders and thought leaders of the field who are known for their engaging virtual experience, that's where people show up anyways. That's where you see that the chat is exploding. That's where you see that people are not leaving when breakout rooms are being opened. So it is about creating, again, a space and a reputation for highly engaging virtual events even though also we at Virtual Space Hero, even though we know how to create engaging experiences, engaging life experiences, we do see a drop um, for, uh, in the no-show, in the no-shows in general. 
Mm. It's nothing where you can sort of throw people into breakout jobs without a real purpose behind it. It's not it's not going to work if you just put on some music at the beginning so that people can hear a few vibes and feel better um, of the weird like um, online setup. No, you need to think with purpose for each step, each design step of a virtual event. And by doing so, you are growing again, your audience, your followers, who will appreciate the thoughts that you put into designing a virtual event. And what I also think is crucial is that the aspect of growing your community and giving that feeling of being part of a community, if you're able to create this feeling among your participants also therefore people are going to come again show up again show up early even leave your fantastic feedback and recommend mm. your virtual gatherings before even we get to making that experience do you have any insights or experience to share about how to actually get people to first of all sign up and actually join the live experience well i think that you need to create that fantastic uh mm. funnel or lead magnet mm. through which people <laughs> are coming to make sense of your content are uh, coming to your content yeah. and then signing up i think it's all about uh, using also ai for example ChatGPT to brainstorm what topic in particularly and how should that topic be formulated mm. so that it really attracts the attention but it's also about creating the funnel on your web page maybe using a freebie something that we were doing mm. by signing up you're getting something in exchange and so on and so forth maybe it can be that people who are signing up just to get a freebie might not then be showing up, but you have them on your list and you can re-invite them again. And therefore you are already sort of sort of in a contact mm. through the downloads of the freebie. Um, you can again see who was downloading your content and provide them with another invitation that is based on yeah. the first um, on the first topic that you were using. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And how is it for in the employer's realm as well, in the companies? Do you think it's also as difficult to get the employees to hump on these experiences or is it different? Totally depends on the company. Mm -hmm. I see I'm working with companies who are remote first, um, fully remote companies who don't have any struggles um, on getting people on different social activities even though also after pandemic, they were sort of slowing down a little bit, mm -hmm. but still um, they are remote first companies and people are used to that way of communicating. Mm -hmm. People are eager to meet in person, even remote first or fully virtual companies. Of course, they meet in person if budget allows and people love that clearly. But still, if your culture is set up for remote uh, friendly and social encounters, people will really appreciate that. The same goes not only for a remote meeting or for a virtual meeting, but also for virtual asynchronous communication that creates that, that sense of mm. team belonging, team bonding. I feel like COVID has really shown what it is to be a good leader beyond just having the people in the same room. Absolutely. I think so too. And indeed, I think um, if you manage to create a great team in the virtual space, you are really a fantastic leader because you have those skills to keep people connected, even when they are not working together, always in the same mm -hmm. room. And I think that is much, much harder 
to embrace asynchronous communication like Slack channels or what, whatever kind of tool you're using in order to use that communication not happening at the same time like a meeting is. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to manage that, I think as a leader, you can go with any kind of team through any kind of problem because you must have acquired and developed those skills um, that are really fundamental dissipated. You use dancing a lot in your workshops, right? And and you're uh, creating the experience by figuring out as well, where's our zone of genius? I think in your case, using dancing, I think is something that you've done, right? Exactly. I think this is also a way of creating an extraordinary experience for my, for my participants. Mm -hmm. So I'm a passionate dancer I of course I'm not I'm not a professional dancer but I'm a very passionate dancer and uh, I dance more than 13 different dancing styles and I discovered within one of them I discovered uh, many similarities with leadership and while I was going through to all the festivals and I was dancing all over Europe and I was learning more about the dance itself from champion dancers from across the globe and while I was doing that I was always keeping like a leadership diary leadership dancing diary mm. with me where I was reflecting on the dancing learnings for my leadership practices and while I was doing that I became much more aware that well this is fantastic to combine those two topics for my speeches why because You make it more memorable if you're uh, trying to, if you gather participants and show them from a different discipline what we can learn for our leadership daily practices. So what I'm doing is um, I'm talking, I usually use it as a keynote concept where I'm on the stage with two dancers. The two dancers incorporate what I'm talking about for leadership practices in a new world. And of course, I'm also dancing on my own when I, while I'm on mm -hmm. stage. And the feedback that I'm getting is really, it's something different, extraordinary, something memorable, funny. Mm -hmm. what I also get is I was afraid that she makes me dance <laughs> so people not necessarily need to dance in my keynotes but they are encouraged of course to stand up or move but mm -hmm. anyways it is something where most people can relate to to some extent making sure that we create space for our hobbies can be very very impactful in our own businesses it doesn't have to be directly linked but I do think it creates a space to get creative but on top of it how you actually embrace your different passions and brought them together I just think this is such a great inspiration that also helps in positioning ourselves and gain visibility so I love that um, so before we close slowly close this a great conversation together. I do want to know real briefly, is there any big trends that you see happening in the field of the new work that we're still not really paying attention to? Well, I think uh, that what we do see is many companies are trying to adopt a new mindset, but I think the culture change that still is needed um, is only slowly slowly moving mm -hmm. forward honestly I just mm -hmm. had a conversation preview with another colleague that she also told me in her research workplace culture or culture overall is the number one topic that business leaders are worried about or talk about or are working on and I think there is still a lot to do for our organization and for our leaders in terms of how we adapt and adopt different leadership strategies or leadership styles. Yeah. I think this is one of the trends, but I also just listened recently to a podcast where they, where they were talking about 
without failing the competition. So it's not about outperforming anymore. It's rather about out failing the competition. So fail faster and be more, uh, be more successful at the end, fail faster than your competition because everything is changing so quickly. So also the way that we are failing needs to be like quicker mm -hmm. in order to be able to succeed in our business. If yeah. I had tried many of the things and allowed to fail many of the things that I'm wondering about or talking about uh, now in my third or fourth business year of business, I think I, I could be much more successful than um, mm. having not done so. Well, this is such a great segue. I do think this is so important. In fact, as solo entrepreneurs, especially solo entrepreneurs, to be even more flexible and faster at trying out, testing things out. There's a great balance to have between doing too many things and getting overwhelmed. I think this is something that I work a lot with my clients. There's a, a fine line between being curious and testing versus getting spread thin and trying to do everything. I think there's a way to do it mindfully, but mm. I agree with you that it's so important to be curious and keep testing and being ready to fail because the faster we fail, the faster we get the answers of what works, what doesn't. So I love that tip. We, For those who are interested in the topic, they should definitely follow you. So what is the best place to find you, Barbara? Uh, well, as Virtual Space here, we have company accounts on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. But the best way to connect with me personally definitely is over LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash Barbara CV. And I am happy to receive your requests and to get in touch with you. Fabulous. So we will share all the information about Barbara in the show notes of this episode as well. But before we say goodbye, Barbara... So I'm going to tell you this sentence. The time is now, and I would like you to complete it. To be courageous. The time is now to be courageous. What a wonderful to, way to finish this great conversation. Thank you, Barbara, for uh, sharing your great experience. Such a fascinating story. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. So I hope that you loved this uh, episode. For all of you who are listening, thank you for taking the time. This is your time to turn your challenges into great opportunities to create more growth, alignment, and impact through your business.